The Final Hooter with Adrian Jackson and David Parkinson. Yes, and after four months away, four months after the last Super League games. Hang on, hang on, mate. Hang on. We've got to introduce ourselves again. We've been away that long. We've virtually retired and come back. It's going to be the biggest comeback since Mickey Hyam. Greg Inglis, he's making a comeback. There you go, I'll top that one. You have topped it already. So I'm Dave Parkinson. That's Adrian Jackson on the other end of the line. Uh, we finally got it back together, mate. Yeah, I've because um, the rugby's been out out of the mix for so long. I've had to start watching the Australian Rugby League on Sky TV to get to grips with the game again. I've even had the rule book out. You've not adopted an Aussie <laughs> accent, though. Work out how we play it again. <laughs> ah, but, but they they play but, it different. They play it in fast forward. Yeah, I said the Aussie game is just wow. Uh, just don't make the mistakes we make. It, it's it's crisp and sharp around the play of the balls. It, it, it's just so different to the rugby we we watch. The other thing is now we've got refreshed to the rules and whatever. The NFL come up with this one, no scrum, so it's going to throw everyone that. Uh, we'll, we'll come to that in a minute because that's one of the changes yeah. that is going to be happening as we approach Super League. Um, mm. Allegedly, Project Restart is happening in 18 days' time from when we're recording this podcast. Can you believe it? Finally, we've got Super League up and running again. But have we? Listen, listen man, if, if someone had said to me at Dewsbury back in March and up in Hull, back in March that rugby league would not be taking part for four months of the laughter run. And I guess like we've got to apologise as well because we were taking it all a bit light, weren't we, back in the we day? Were, we were, we were like, having a bit of a chat about it, weren't we? So there's no coronavirus in rugby league other than Leeds in France, but there was nothing and all of a sudden, have a bit of that. We, we were almost saying, oh, you know, if you get a cough, you could call the game off. I think that was uh, what we were, were debating with Leeds. And they did, they did really well in the end. Hindsight is a wonderful thing. And they made the right decision, didn't they? They did. Uh, I thought they made the wrong decision at the time. I, thought, I, I, I just thought it was Leeds. I know it's being cocky. And I said, no, we're not going to France. We're, we're not going, that's it. Because at the time, you remember, it wasn't really a major factor over here in the UK. France had made a decision not to have crowds in the ground of over 500. Yeah, but Leeds decided before legislation decided otherwise that they weren't going to go. So I was expecting Leeds to cop a massive fine. But as it's worked out with, with hindsight, it was the right decision to make, wasn't it? It certainly was. And as well, there's been that discussion, hasn't there, about the uh, about the rule changes. You mentioned them before about them getting rid of scrums over here for the restart of Super League. Um, yeah. What do you make of that? It's not an issue about coming back to play rugby league. Why, why are we not having scrums? It's a good point. It's a good point. If, if there's a concern about you know, transmitting, uh, you're on the risk of transmitting coronavirus if you've got the symptoms. Why are we having scrum for it yet? It's all right to get tackled by two and three fellas in a tackle. Is this because tackles are quicker than scrums and there is less Maybe, contact? Maybe, but you've still got that close contact, haven't you? Hmm. So if there's, if there's an issue regarding scrums um, and to the point where they've done away with the scrums, why are we even coming back playing? It is a good that's point. Where I, that's where I can't get my head around. It is an interesting point. In Australia... Point. They have the scrums. We we decided not to have scrums, so it's be pretty boring, isn't it? Just watching, just watching first team fellas going up and down the field, just running it along, because that's all you're gonna have. Well, you're gonna you're gonna lose that break in play, aren't you? You, you? you know, because the scrum's there for a reason. It sets up the play. It takes it takes a dozen players out, out off the pitch, 
and creates the, creates the space for the backs to do what they do, which is make the plays. Now, I know that we've seen a lot of tries from scrums in Australia in particular. Uh, certainly I have over this last few weeks watching the NRL. But do you think that we ever really took full advantage of the scrums over here? Because there's only no. been basically a couple of moves that I've seen from the base of scrums. No, because no real thought into it now, is there? It's just throw the ball in and get on with it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So does it's it... no thought goes into the scrums over it. Does it in that way surprise you then that they don't have to have this thought and they'll just tap the ball instead? Yeah, I think the players would prefer it, actually. I think, and you will get the, uh, they get rid of the scrum brigade. They'll be thinking, yeah, thank God for that, there's no scrum. They'll quickly realise we need the scrum to make the game entertaining and exciting to watch because it's not just going to be like a boring game of chess. Uh, I will remind you here of something that Terry O'Connor has said recently about, uh, you know, you don't actually turn up to a rugby game to watch scrums. If you if you wanted that, you can turn up and watch Rugby Union, can't you? Well, they put more emphasis on scrums, don't they, in Rugby Union does. Uh, and plus, it's all about the rock and the mall in their game. But you need the scrum to take the 12 guys out of the, out, out the play to create the space for the backs to do what they're doing, your playmakers. Mm. All you're going to have it, you're going to have a line of defence and a line of attackers just running back and chewing to each other. It'd be like, it'd be like the Zulus. Boring. <laughs> you know what it'll also be like? It'll also be like, what, under, under 10s rugby, won't it? Yeah, it'd be boring. There'd be no players, there'd be no movement, there'd be nothing. It'd be just a, a, back, a flat line defence and a flat line attack just running, running into each other. All right, and we mentioned the, 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 the change in rule over there in, in the fact we've got no scrum. What do you make of that one in Australia where it is a penalty in the tackle, the referee, rather than giving a penalty, which he would have done, uh, just wipes the tackle count clean? I think it's been an interesting one, to be honest, Aid, right? I think that with regards to it, it's definitely sped up the game. I mean, it's already like watching a Super League game on fast forward, watching an NRL game without that. And I think they've just brought it back. And what it has done, um, it's stopped many stoppages in the game. So, And it's meant that uh, defences haven't got that time to reset. So it's just been referees wiping the tackle count clear. Um, and it's it's really meant that, you know, halfbacks and dummy halves are, have really come to the fore and there's been a lot more quick link-up play in the middle. And we've actually seen some of those mismatches that always used to be prevalent years ago. You know, when, so like a, a, a nippy halfback would look up and see a prop in front of him and think, I'm going to try a bit of footwork and I'll get round him. I think that's where George Williams has had a, a bit of success, to be honest, at Canberra. So I can see... I can see why uh, they've talked about it over here and, again, why it's going to be implemented. But I do just worry whether it'll tip the balance of the games a little bit too much towards the attack again. Because uh, there's not a lot in our games which awards you for defences there and, and no. you know, legally slowing play down. Um, you know, so it should, but it should end, you know, some of the, the tackling that we see over here, you know, the gang tackles and being yeah. like lots of players and then them having to peel off. Um, it should really speed that up because if they don't get up quick enough, a referee is just going to reset the tackle count. And uh, it, what it should mean as well is that players like Roby uh, and your lively dummy halves in Super League could have field days. I think it's just about maybe apt for us to reflect on that last weekend of results. We had, uh, what did we have? Three Super League games. Uh, we saw Warrington defeat Hull. 38 points to four, which ultimately led to the sacking virtually right after the game, didn't it? I'm not being funny, Hull were hit and miss, weren't they, um, throughout the start of the brand new season in Super League. Um, and we were, well, I was calling it, he seems to be one defeat away <laughs> from, from um, getting, the, getting the bullet at Hull. 
And unfortunately, the, the game against Warrington was the was the final uh, downfall for Lee Radford. I thought it was. I thought it was really harsh though, because they sacked him on the whistle, didn't they? The, the chairman Literally, actually yeah. took the post-game press conference, didn't they? Mm, yeah. And that, that's hardly been done before, you know. So that's a real unusual thing. Still, so still no announcement on the head coach yet. So it'll be interesting to see who the new head coach is going to be at Hull. Yeah, they've got Andy Last in charge temporarily. Um, oh. You know, so whether, whether he's just going to be holding the fort, and he's a guy that's been there a long, long time. Because if I remember, he actually played for them as well, and he was a, an academy international, and then he's worked his way through the ranks. Um, Kieran Pertle's there as well, so he's assisting him. Uh, and Kieran must oh, be thinking. I about Kieran being up there, yeah. yeah, Kieran must be thinking. Oh God, not another club where things seem to be imploding. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, mate. Right, if I was a coach now within rugby league, I'd be worried if Kieran Pertle turned up on my club. <laughs> he's a fine man. He's a fine he's, man. I've nothing he's said like against him. No, I'm not saying it. What I'm on about is he's, he's like the Grim Reaper of rugby league. <laughs> You're not the first person that said that, to be honest, mate. But he's still a fine man and he's a good mate of mine in rugby league. So all the best, Kieran. That Friday, so that was on Thursday the 12th of March. That Friday the 13th of March, it was Friday the 13th for Wigan because Salford beat him 18 points to 14. Now, that was a turn up for the Bucks, wasn't it? Because, again, Salford had been a little bit hit and miss. They'd made so many changes to the squad after, um, well, I suppose they had to make a lot of changes because a lot of the grand final team signed for other clubs, didn't they? Well, they had a bit of a grand final hangover at the start of the season. They lost major players who got them to Old Trafford. Um, so a lot of new signings. It's going to take them time to bed in. Are they the same quality? Well, you could argue not. But, you know, give them time, I'm sure. Uh, once they get used to playing alongside each other and buying into the ideas that Ian Watson's got in place for the rest of the season, I'm sure Salford will start to get a few more wins on the board. Uh, was you surprised that they were able to beat Wigan, though? No, because I think we're going to be in hit and miss as well. I don't oh, think anyone's really stood out this season. Well, Leeds had a good start, didn't they? They won four of the first five. Other than Leeds. It's been a long time. I can't remember that far. Hey, it has been a long time. You know, I will. I will let you off. Normally, I'd be right down your throat one time. You know, we we yeah. sort of like if you come up with any mistakes or anything like that. But mm. uh, I. I've I've eased off as well, so don't worry about it. Sunday, the 15th of March, so exactly four months ago from when we're actually recording this on the 15th of July, uh, Castleford Tigers beat St. Helens 28 points to 14. And for me, St. Helens, they were very, very hit and miss in the opening few weeks of the season as well. Didn't see that again because I was covering Witness versus Jewsbury on the Sunday night and, uh, yeah... Uh, I was quite surprised to see that score, but St. Helens again, not not they they weren't putting a consistent run of performances together, were they? They weren't, no. And and since then they've lost Luke Thompson as well, which is is a huge body blow for their pack, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, although they have managed to recruit James Graham, but the return of Ed Sheeran to rugby league. The return of Ed Sheeran, yeah. He he doesn't look like Ed Sheeran anymore, though. He looks grizzled. He's a grizzled prop forward these days. He left these shows as a young man. Come back a real man, hasn't he? He's come back a real man, yeah. I mean, he's he's got so much respect in the NRL, hasn't he? And and to be fair, he's had a stellar career over the. Listen, right? He's, he's made me eat my words because when he left St. Helens uh, to go over there, I didn't think he'd put it. Really? No, I really never. Honestly, only because I thought um, during his time at St. Helens, he's always seen with his hands on his hips and looking absolutely shattered at the start of the game. Never mind during the game. 
So that, when, he, when it was announced he's going over there, I thought, no, he, he'd be, he'll probably do a season and he'll be back. Hey, to be but fair... He's, he's actually done better than what I thought. To be fair to him, though, I mean, for about five seasons, he was top of all the Saints stats with number of tackles and, you know, metres made and everything, drives taken up, you know. So maybe they, so, they were, maybe so. They were really pushing it. But I just didn't think he'd cut it. But he's proved me wrong. What do I know? Uh, anyone else in the NRL that's gone over from the UK who you didn't rate? Well, Sam Tompkins, uh, the one everyone thought wouldn't make it never. <laughs> that, that is an actual, actual good point. But I was thinking any of these, you know, like players that have gone over in the last couple of years that, you, you know... Uh, Ryan they, Hall. Ryan Hall. Yeah, Ryan he's... Hall is the one that sticks in my mind. I watched him a couple of weeks ago because obviously to get to grits is a beautiful game of rugby league again. I have been watching the Aussie version. I try and stay away from it. But I've been watching a bit of their rugby league and... Uh, yeah, there was a game there. The, um, no, the, the, the the Roosters won quite easily, and the other winger scored. I think it was five tries, and Ryan Hall never had. got a touch of the ball, and you're thinking, my word. Yeah, they brought a winger in who hadn't played, didn't they? You know, he wasn't yeah. even due to play, and he gets five exactly. tries, gets and five a pass tries. hardly goes out to Hall all the way through the game. <laughs> Apart from right at the end, it was a forward pass, and it got ruled out. I, I there just... is one guy over that that does excite me. Unfortunately, it's Fiji. Oh, go on, who's that? Is it Silver? Was it Miko Sivo? Yeah, that's his name. What a beast of a player. I think he's only played 23 matches and scored 19 tries. Unbelievable. I tell you what, there's a there's a big Fijian oh. winger also playing for St. George Illawarra as well, who, who also right. looks a right beast. He scored a cracking try in the corner last week. Even I've been watching a lot of this Aussie rugby, and like yourself, I've not really got into it a lot over the last few years. No, but... I haven't. Like I said, I'm just, I've just been watching it to see how the Brits are being going. Um... And to get to grips with rugby league, I mean, I noticed you mentioned James Graham. Uh, he's already back in the UK, getting ready to make an assault on another Super League winner's ring for himself. But also, as well, we've got John Bateman coming back. Bateman actually had a fantastic season last year, ended up a, a grand finalist. Uh, unfortunately mm-hmm. for Canberra, they weren't able to get on with the job. But I think he's earned a lot of praise for his performances in the NRL. Did it surprise you that he's ended up um, signing back for Wigan? Exactly, yeah, I did actually because I thought if one guy, if James Graham can do seven years out there, I thought John Bateman will be able to breeze it. Mm. Mm. But maybe, maybe he missed the meat pies of Wigan, I don't know. <laughs> I think it was a family decision. Oh, is it the Yorkshire Hills? He's, he's probably missing the delights of the curry. Mad in Bradford. Do you have one in <laughs> Well, they've got the equivalent of a curry mile. I'm sure they have. have and they? I, I'm um, sure people sure that listen have. to this will get on to us if we're wrong. Uh, but yeah. I, I think it comes from his uh, his family. He's, he's really close. I know it's I know it's a strange thing to say, but he's really close to his daughter. You'd expect it to be anyway, wouldn't you? However, yeah. um, she's still been over here during this entire time when he's been over right. in Australia. So right. I think a lot of that comes down to family as well. Plus, he's managed to get. Uh, a really long deal in his back pocket, which is you know great given these conditions, isn't it? Which we're, we've all been coping in. I think it's Wigan have got a habit of doing that. They let guys go over there, bring them back, and then the rubbish when they come back. They don't live up to what they were. They don't live up to the hype. Yeah. When they come back, I think they did it with Sam. They done it with Dan Sargent. So Mossop came back. Mossop's had to go away and reinvent himself, really, hasn't he? At Salford. I don't think he ever did it with Dennis Betts, did he? Uh, he did come back. Dennis came back. Did he go back to Wigan? He did go back to Wigan, yeah. I think uh, he had I, I think he had two years right at the back end oh, of his I, career after it right, might have okay. been three at, at New I Zealand. I remember I've recently done it in recent times and the, the guys when they've come back have not really made the impact that they were hoping they would have. 
What do you put that down to? They left our competition stars and then didn't really yeah. didn't really take off from there, did they? Like I said, they've come back uh, and they've not really hit the heights they had in the first spell. It's that old saying, isn't it? Never go back. But uh, we can keep doing it. And hopefully John Bateman will book the trend and be a star for the Warriors again. I'm really pleased for him to be coming back into our sport, though, over here, because we have lost a good few players over the last few years, haven't we, to the Aussie ranks. So it is nice to see him coming back. Well, we're not just losing to the Australian Rugby League. We're even losing to Rugby Union now, aren't we? So, yeah, it's a bit of a worry. Well, yeah, you mentioned there, and there's the uh, the Hull winger, the guy that excited us all who's off to Rugby Union come the season's end. Ratu Naulogo. Right. Well, Pro- thank God he's back. Thank God, thank God he is back in in the dark side of rugby. We don't have to try and pronounce it. <laughs> he's a he's he's a man whose name might no longer appear on a team sheet that you've got to read out, mate. Phenomenal uh, contributions to Hull, but for some reason decided he wants to go back, and he's gone on, he's gone for bigger money as well. So, yeah. I mean, you can't really blame him, can you? I mean, the the, the whole. The whole financial situation of rugby league is a little bit of a worry moving forward because um, you know you've got the likes of Leeds who have so many yeah. other alternatives and they're losing the four million. Situa- you mentioned the financial situation. We, we're talking about uh, Super League's going to be back in three weeks, is it? I mean, they've got a, they've got a, uh, a players' revolt still to sort out yet in terms of pay cuts. Uh, not everyone's agreed to it. I know at the time we're recording this, I think there's six teams that have agreed and six teams that haven't. Yeah, yeah. Um, You know, so I I think there's still a little bit of work to go and I haven't seen anything at the time we're recording this that any of the other clubs have jumped on. Can you see a player's strike coming? You know what? You know what? Usually, you you know my thoughts on this, Adrian, because you know you you've known me for a long time and and I'm a union man, so I, I believe in people getting paid what they're worth. However... I don't think now's the time for doing it. You look out in the wider world and there's, there's it seems like half the workforce is on furlough. Half of, them mm. are, half of those aren't even sure whether they'll have a job to go back to. The thing is, though, the game is in back in the money. It's made profit, £75,000. It's not much, though, <laughs> is it? It's not much. <laughs> no, no. I'm just saying, like, it's £75,000. That's probably just Sam Tompkins' um, bonus in Catalan. I was going to say, that'll go, a, that'll go a long way to paying Greg Inglis that next season at Warrington. Oh, yeah, Greg Inglis is coming <laughs> back in as well. Yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong. I, I, did I mention Greg Inglis at the top of the show? You did mention him, yeah. 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 Right, one other guy that did retire, he's come back in. He's been fantastic since he's come back, by the way. He's, he's uh, Ellis, Gareth Ellis. Gareth Ellis over at Hull. Yeah, there's a man that retired too early, really, didn't he? Paul Wood did it, you remember? He did. He had a stint out, didn't he? And uh, ended up signing for Featherstone. Even, even, he even did that with part of his manhood missing as well. So that's just how brave he is. Did we have to mention manhood in this? <laughs> we could have, but you know what I mean? He, he, he had a bit of an accident in the grand final four years ago. And despite retiring, he thought he was man enough and brave enough to get stuck in with his own boys in the championship. It's uh, a young man's game, isn't it? But like I said, Gareth Ellis has been outstanding for Hull. Oh, definitely. Definitely. One of those uh, one of those rare beacons of light in, like you said, what was an inconsistent start for them. Right, we mentioned Greg Inglis. Like, yeah. He's world superstar in Australia. Fantastic in the green and gold. Yeah. How do you think he's going to go with for Warrington? You know what? I hope it works out for all parties, but I'm just fed up of Super League clubs signing overage Australians. You know, we we just we seem to settle for second best all the time. Now I know we're a salary cap sport, and I know that you know 
really maybe we don't have the bargaining power to bring in the younger players, but we're becoming a retirement home again. I thought we got away from that. Uh, and wow. we just seem to be, you know, signing players that are, are past it. Seriously, I hope that Greg English proved me wrong. I hope he has me next year, this time next year when we're recording. Um, well, he's done the game for a year, hasn't he? So body-wise, it's going to be okay. The only real doubt is is, is, is uh, the time and the sharpness and, uh, and the fitness, isn't it? It is, it is. But that's everything though, isn't it? Yeah. You know, I mean, we've we've all, we can all still play play a good game in our heads, can't we? But can 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 your body cope with the sharpness? It's that first tackle. Yeah, that first big hit. You think, oh, jeez, <laughs> what am I doing? So I have to admit, I have to admit, I wasn't too excited by that signing. And no, co- I weren't. I didn't know once they're making it out to be the the biggest signing. In Super League, I disagree with that. It's not bigger than the Andrew Johns one. Ah, but Andrew Johns was only a fly-by-night signing as well. So I, again, I don't yeah, think that that I don't think that did anything for us. To be fair. Oh man! At the time, at the time, the the, the, the atmosphere around was was like a Hollywood movie star that moved into town. <laughs> I wonder what the atmosphere was like around St. Helens when Jamie Lyon, because Jamie Lyon was coming over after a little bit of uh, a spell out of the game in Australia. Was Jamie who, wasn't it, when Jamie Lyon came over? It was like, oh, it was a little, little boy who, who missed his mum, went back to the country. But he did fantastic. He did two seasons, didn't he? He did. And, and he yeah. was he was great. I mean, everybody in St. Helens always talks about Mal Meninga and the, the, the impact that he had back in the 80s. You could argue mm. that Jamie Lyon had a much larger impact on the St. Helens public and, and the St. Helens team in those two years. Because, I mean, they were they were something else, weren't they, Saints, at that time? Oh, yeah, we were that. But like I so, said, there wasn't a big fanfare about Jamie Lyon. It was just the Nazis coming. Yeah, and, I know. And he just rocks up and he ended up being a sensational play for him for two years. And then ended up going back and playing uh, test football again and, and then going having an, uh, a second outstanding career in the NRL, which, you know, you don't get that happening too many times, do you, when players leave English clubs that have come over from the NRL? I'm always worried when clubs sign players and they go, yeah, he's the biggest sign we've had in 20-odd years. Are you thinking, he's gonna, is he going to live up to the expectation? I mean, once I've said it about Greg Inglis uh, ahead of next season. Remember Leeds did it? With uh, Ali Lawatiti, biggest sign in 20 years. Yeah, yeah. He was a good player, though, Lawatiti, wasn't he? Yeah, that's I me. Mean. So certain players do live up to height, other players can fall by the wayside. And that's me worry when clubs do that. I always like bargain basement signings, though. The guys that you maybe don't expect to, to, to go on and have great careers that, you know, yeah. that, that almost teams take a punt on. You know, there's a, there's loads of those down the years, isn't there? Maybe not so many from overseas, but certainly, you know, lads like Ollie Wilkes who ended up having, you know, a really, really good and solid Super League career. One guy that sits in my mind is a Welsh player, Glyn Shaw. What was he like? What Where did he come from? Hard as nails. Hard as nails. Run for a brick wall. No ways and graces about him. Just give him the ball. He get the line. And then outstanding career for witness. Great for Warrington and finished off at Wigan. Uh, was he a big mate of Jim Mills? Do you reckon that was, was a was, yeah. that that yeah. was a big thing of him coming to rugby league? Do you reckon? It wasn't actually. He wouldn't sign him by by uh, I wouldn't say mistake by chance. It was a lucky chance. Um, originally they were there to they wanted to sign Frank Cotton. All right. Sale at the time. He was like a big name in the English rugby union. And he played a, a club game against his club. Um, he played Sale, took a lot of goals down there to watch Frank Cotton and watched Frank Cotton get absolutely destroyed by Glenshaw. At the end of the game, the Sale representative said to Dougie Lawton, Frank will come, will, will come and meet you in the clubhouse now and you can speak terms and conditions about him 
signing for witness. And Dougie Lawton's gone, not interested. Not in, in true Dougie Lawton style, he said, I'm not interested in him. I want to know about that uh, fellow who's just destroyed him for 80 minutes. <laughs> the thing is, I can imagine Ducky having that conversation as well. I can. I can. <laughs> it's like, nah, nah, he's rubbish. I'm not having him. I want the other fella. <laughs> I say, Glingshaw, um, no, and another guy wouldn't sign. You think, why, why are you bothering? But he did. He's fantastic. It was Joe Grimmer. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Grimmer had a few years at Witness, didn't he? He did. Smoking Joe. <laughs> Bit of a cult hero at Keithley as well, by the way. He was, yeah. You're right, you were totally great. I like the guys where you think they're not going to really do a lot, but they, have, they end up having outstanding careers. Mm-hmm. And the, the game's littered with them, and perhaps we don't talk about those type of guys enough in honesty, so no, I'm glad that we no. can we can maybe raise it. So, we've been through that. Um, if we look back on the Super League once again, I mean, there were some teams that really weren't cutting the mustard early doors, were they? I'm thinking the likes of Old Kingston Rovers. They batted Wakefield on the opening day of the season and then lost every other game. Yeah, the season of struggle, haven't they? Uh, in the early rounds, really struggled to, again, get some consistency. A bit like Salford, really, mm-hmm. uh, lacking consistency. And there, there were a few teams, you're thinking, they're in for the hard toil of a season. But um, for some clubs, the great probably come at the right time for others they're probably thinking oh we're just getting a steam on here we're getting to grips of the season and wanting to kick on so we'll we'll see how the break has done some clubs the world are good and maybe become, some other clubs be, become a bit of a disadvantage I mean admittedly Hull Kingston Rovers did have a lot of injury issues they had that whole thing hanging over them about Mossy Masai they didn't know whether he yeah. was going to recover and he's made some tremendous progress I was reading an article about him the other day and I just think what a bloke! After reading that, I mean, that. What, what, one club that I probably made up the, the the break came through the circumstances it has done is Toronto. Oh, they were dreadful, weren't they? They were awful, absolutely awful. It's like they, what what money they had, they just give it all to Sonny Bill Williams. Had nothing around him uh, to get the wins. No, no real quality. What guys you have there? All right, they'll tinkle for the championship, but they're being found and not quite good enough to cut it in Super League. Uh, so, I think. Toronto would be happy the break came because the way they were going, they'd have been relegated by now. Are they going to start again though? Because I mean, we've had uh, we've had David Argyle in the press saying basically that some of their overseas players have some issue regarding the visas. Well, this is it, isn't it? I mean, when the season comes back, um, it's going to be uh, behind closed doors. It's going to be on uh, is it Saturday and Sundays, uh, um, events that we don't know of yet until close to the day so it's going to be like mini magic weekends on a, on a Saturday and a Sunday but how are Catalans and Toronto going to get round it? Uh, well I think Catalans... You can't go to Canada and you can't go to France so how, how are they going to how are they going to progress for the season? Are they just going to play away all the time? Well, I mean, they could look to the NRL because Melbourne have been uh, stationed somewhere on the central coast, haven't they? And I think, um, okay. I think, haven't New Zealand Warriors? They've also been in in Australia because of the situation with the, uh, uh, you know, the COVID over in New Zealand and, and and stopping people from going into the country. So there are ways around it, but it's it's very expensive. Like that, I'm intrigued to see how this is going to go. Where we're having like mini magic weekends every Saturday and Sunday. I will say, though, although in Toronto's case, they haven't actually been across to Canada yet this year. So, you know, they're basically Rochdale's second team, aren't they, with the way that they've been training out of Hotwood Hall? Say the dream of of coming into Super League suddenly turned into a nightmare because of what's happened, not with just the the performances on the field in the opening five or six rounds, but also with with the 
COVID pandemic become a bit of a nightmare for them, hasn't it? It's come at the wrong time, but in terms of breaks and to put right where they feel it went wrong in the opening rounds, the breaks come at the right time for them. Uh, let's just switch course. Um, I'll tell you one team that did really impress me at the start of the season. It was Huddersfield Giants. I mean, they got some great results away from home, didn't they? They did. Yeah, there's a, there's a team that I'd be thinking, oh, the break's come at the wrong time. Can they, you know, after the, the lengthy break we've had, and I know some of the guys now are back in training and getting ready for, this, for the, the restart, project restart, as it's being uh, described as. But, that, that might just be me uh, describing how, it as that, mate. Is that just you? I think okay. he might be. Well, yeah. we'll get it going then. We'll, we'll nick <laughs> off the round ball. Probably <laughs> get restart. Um, yeah, so I'd like others feel that the break's come at the wrong time, hasn't it, for them? Now, it'd be interesting to see with the time they've had away from the game and you now they've got back into the mix of things as a team, as a club. Can they carry on where they left off? That's the challenge, isn't it? It certainly is. I mean, they've done some good. Um, I was going to say retainment, really, because they've they've gone and uh, made sure that a lot of the younger players coming through the Huddersfield ranks have got contracts going further on. So I was thinking the likes of the senior twins, uh, who were really good la- at the end of last season, weren't they? And they've got yeah. Ollie Russell, for example, on a on a further contract. Uh, and there's about six or seven other players as well that have also recontracted. Strangely enough, though, nothing for the coach Wolford, which is a bit of a surprise, really. Oh. Is he going back home? Mm, well, I don't think he wants to because I was reading something the other week saying that um, you know he was hoping that the club would be speaking to him soon about a contract, but he's not heard anything yet. Which, as I say, is a bit I of a worry. Figured, all right, it, it's, it's so cutthroat in the Would you want to go back and be a head coach in Australia? Mm. I mean, well, they've got rid of two in the last four weeks, haven't they? I mean, it never exactly. used to happen. It never used to happen in Australia. They've I mean, gone as mad at sacking just, coaches as we have. Justin Horrible must be sat there and thinking, oh, they should have stayed at St. Helens. They should have stayed at St. Helens. What were they thinking? <laughs> he must be sat there thinking, wasn't this out at Lantry Park? <laughs> <laughs> he, he did have a team of all talents at his disposal, didn't yeah, he? Yeah. Um, although, having said that, the new man in charge at, uh, at St. Helens doesn't seem to be getting it quite as smooth. Been hit and so. miss, haven't they? Yeah, they have. been hit and yeah. miss. Yeah. Uh, moving on, what have you thought of Catalan's start to the season? Again, hit and miss, isn't it? Mm. I mean, they're sort of mid-table, aren't they? Yeah. They've always got the bonus of having the advantage of the heat in the south of France when the summer months kick in, obviously. So that always seems to get them out the hole if they're in one. Um, so it's always difficult to go their ground and, and get the wins. Um, but... With a team of their talents amongst the squad, they should be doing a lot better. They, for me, with the, with the money they throw at it and the, the players they can attract, they should always be a certainty for me for, the, for a run to the top four, not mid-table. What do you make of him re-signing Israel for Lowe as well? I mean, he's only had four games there to impress. They obviously feel he's doing enough, doesn't he? Um, looking at him, he's, he's a quality centre, isn't he? He's got, he's got the ability... The problem they've got to do with him is keep him away from social media. Mm, yeah, and can mm. they shut him up? Can they keep him quiet? Can they keep him quiet, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, another team that was kind of impressing me at the start of the season, Castleford Tigers. Now, I think they'd gone seven games. So there were some teams that had only played like four or five games in the league, uh, but Castleford oh. had, had gone seven games and were sitting sort of second in the table. They were putting some yeah, impressive results together, having, weren't they? They'd having a, they had a great start to the season, didn't they? And again, Dallas Powell, man. How on earth he's not with one of the bigger... I know he had a bit of a stint with Leeds before Tony Smith took over many moons ago. 
how Daryl Powell's not being given a bigger club. No disrespect to Castleford, but how on earth uh, someone like Saints or Wigan or even Leeds Rhinos are not going to knock on the door at Castleford to try and get him on board. Uh, um, it baffles me because Castleford, you've got a modest budget, probably probably back well above where they should be and they do it season after season after season since he's been in charge it's phenomenal absolutely phenomenal I know he's a guy that you rate highly and you always have done haven't you listen I wish Witness would have gone and got him when he was at Featherstone when Witness made it clear where he wanted to be uh, in the days of licensing they made this big thing wanting to get back into Super League they watched Featherstone Rovers with Daryl Powell being the most dominant team in the championship of four possibly five seasons. So I don't know why Riddick didn't get him on board before Catherine went snooping about. Uh, maybe it wasn't quite the Neil Kelly effect at the time and the people in charge yeah. just didn't see it and decided that they wanted oh, to go with yeah. Dennis. Well, Daryl Powell's been an outstanding coach. Like I said, it, it's Catherine the made up they've got him, but I'm amazed. Whenever Leeds, when Leeds went through coaches like traffic lights last season... <laughs> Uh, I just don't know why they didn't go back and try and get him back on board. Tell you what, though, Richard Agar's making a real impact there now, though, isn't he? He is. Yeah, yeah, he's getting, he's getting to grips with it, but I think it's too big of a job for Richard Agar. He found that out at Hull. It's too big of a job for him. Uh, well, interestingly enough, I was on uh, I was on a webcast with him a few weeks ago. Okay. Um, Listen, I like Richard Agar. I know him from his days at Warrington. And, you know, he's got a lot of he's got a lot of experience. I just feel the lead top's a bit too big for him. Well, as I say, interestingly enough, I was on this webcast with him, and he was giving his experiences. You know, on talking mm. about because uh, uh, with me being involved with the with the England Community Lions, he was yeah. giving his uh, his input really on sort of like where he'd gone in rugby league and why. And he said he made a mistake, a crucial mistake, when he was at Hull. And he said mm. that was he tried to coach what was vogue at the time in rugby league, so he didn't coach to what he believed in. He coached to what right. he thought was the right thing to do at the right time, thing. as opposed to oh. what was his way. Right. Okay. Well, well, with that in mind, then with that little bit of inside knowledge you got from him, um, I, I, I still feel the job is a bit too the club leads is a too big a coaching job for him. But I hope he's learned his lesson from Holden and makes it a success. Oh, it's a massive club, without a doubt. You know, I mean, it's it's probably the nearest thing to a, a goldfish ball that we have in rugby league, isn't it, Leeds? Well, they aren't, listen, Leeds are like the Liverpool and Manchester United of rugby league, aren't they? <laughs> yeah, that's a, pr- that's a pretty good uh, comparison, they're, they're actually. Mass- they're a massive club. They're always expected to be up there uh, challenging for whatever silverware is available within rugby league. I know we don't have much these days, but I'm sure rugby league fans during the rugby league lockdown have been watching plenty of old footage of the Yorkshire Cup, the Lancashire Cup, the Regal Trophy, all the old trophies that used to be knocking about. But as it is in today's modern game, it's just the Challenge Cup and Super League. So it leads, like I said, with that matter in mind, as I just described them, as Liverpool or United of Rugby League, they should always be there knocking on the door. Just getting back on Castleford just for a minute, what do you make of that young halfback pairing that they brought together, Richardson and Truman? I think they were sort of dovetailing well together until the stoppage. See, with Truman, uh, a lot, when, when a young lad comes on and he shows glimpses of his career, everyone gets all excited, don't they? He's trying labelling this player, he's going to be that player, and he's going to be great. And it doesn't happen. If somewhere, somewhere along the line, they, they drift away or they don't fulfil full, full the potential. So, quite rightly, the guy's got a lot of talent. 
So a lot of people getting excited about about that talent and, and jumping far too ahead from where his development is. But I've noticed this season, he, his game has progressed and he, he seems to be uh, getting better as the games go on. And I don't think, even though he's only been in Super League, what, three seasons now? I don't yeah, think he's yeah. phased by it. He's not phased by it at all. He's, he just makes the game look easy. Um, and maybe having Daryl Powell as his head coach is the, is the benefit that he gets from it. Mm-hmm. I mean, Powell was always the the steadiest of steady heads, wasn't he? At halfback, yeah. when when he with yeah. the days at, at Sheffield back in the day. Mm. Not a doubt. So, yeah, young Truman, he's certainly going to be he's going to be a guy that everyone's going to be talking about for years and years after he's finished. I think he's going to be absolutely sensational. The challenge we've got in rugby league over here to stop them pesky Aussies nicking him for their game. Well, we've already lost a halfback in George Williams, haven't we? You, we I, have. I have to admit. I think he's going a lot better than I expected because I always thought yeah, we, yeah, yeah. I exactly. always thought with Williams he was one of these that he was a one-trick pony really he'd take a team on and mm-hmm. he's just got an offload you know so you had to do close support to him and then he's got a half decent short kicking game but he's actually guiding that Canberra team really well isn't he Yeah and hopefully um He'll get fed up of life in Australia and come back to the UK. <laughs> We're going to wait him with a big contract offer, no doubt. <laughs> we give him a contract, they do have <laughs> uh, Just two more clubs to, to, to look at ahead of the, the Super League restart. That's Wakefield and Warrington. So let's start with Wakefield, first of all, because, I mean, they're always a club that, you know, he's punching above its weight, really, both financially and, and, and on the field, aren't they? They are. They are, but... They, Obviously, the, the the man at the helm just seems to be throwing money into the pot, and he seems to do well what with what uh, money they do have to get take players that are a bit rough and ready, not quite up to it, but uh, they seem to turn them into the decent players, don't they? And they, they seem to gel as a team and make life difficult for teams when they play them. I mean, they had a mixed opening to the start of the season, but they did get a couple of wins, didn't they? You know, so and yeah. you, you always think with Wakefield that. Um, they're just really inconsistent. I think the, I think the key for them is is the ground. I know that everyone moans about the ground. Oh, they shouldn't be there. It, it's it's this, it's that, it's falling to bits. But it plays to their advantage because when you've got a ground like that, where teams hate going to it because the the facilities are not great. The toilet. I mean, have you been in the dressing rooms at Wakefield? Because I have. They're tiny. They're tiny. So that puts the opposition team off. They're, they're in a the mood. They don't like it, and it, they know they're in for a, a rough ride. And and that sometimes plays into Wakefield's advantage. So if I was them, I'd stay there for as long as they can. have to admit, a few years ago, I had the benefit of going in the away dressing room over at Wakefield, and they painted mm. it shocking pink for the season. which you was just, the willows. Which was just a nightmare. You went in, and it was an attack to the senses straight away. It's no wonder that teams didn't like going there. Willows was the same there, and they used to have it, I think it was bright yellow, I think someone told me. <laughs> I'm sure a player said it was bright yellow. And the, the one light bulb needs a flicker. The other thing that you had to watch for at the Willows as well was that you didn't end up banging your head on that light bulb because it, <laughs> you, you had it where it, it, it dipped. You know, you was in you was in the triangle under the stand, and that was basically it. You know, so if you, but I'm sure that the home dressing room was much better. I never had the opportunity of going in there, unfortunately, so I can't even describe what it may have been. So any Salford fans or any ex-Salford players that are listening do end up dropping us a line at Dave Parkinson okay. RL because I'm keen to know what it were like back at the Willows, certainly for for the home uh, for the home team anyway. 
I'm sure it's a lot more comfortable for the home players than what it was for the away players anyway. And I think Wakefield's exactly the same. Players, I just I don't know any player that likes going to Wakefield. Just like any I don't like I don't know of any player, away fat player, that likes going to Castleford. Oh yeah, that I mean again that's that's another place. Reasons. Yeah, that's another the same reasons. So if and when those two clubs do bang the hicks together and they, they, they pick out a location that they're happy with and they, they agree they want to share a ground, because that's the way forward for both of them clubs, isn't it, really? Uh, will, will, will they lose that advantage that they seem to have over clubs? And you think that's inevitable, is it, that the two of them will have to combine to get a decent I think ground? So. I think so. They can't continue in the venues that they've got. Uh, it's one council, so they haven't, they're not going to have the finance. Unless someone's going to give both clubs a shed load of money where they can build a ground each. They're going to have to pick a location in a halfway point between Wakefield and Cats and agree to share it. I mean, let's be honest as well. Everyone in rugby league has been after that white knight that's going to put so much money in, haven't they? Yeah. Like you said, they've been on about it and on about it for, what, 25 years now. Uh, so something's got to change. But whether they, whether they want to or not... Um, Maybe they don't. Maybe they feel we can stay here. We win more games than what than, than what we lose. In fact, having said this, having said this, do you reckon that we're about due for a news story coming out with someone wearing a hard hat somewhere in Castleford pointing to some turf which might or well, might not be a, a ground? How many venues have they picked out there? And <laughs> is, the, is the glass horton one still on the planning table? You know, I have no idea. Come and tell us, Cast fans, what is going on. But I think I think the only way around it. Both Wakefield and Castleford need to agree. And I'm sure Ardent fans wouldn't want it, but I think they'd have to agree to share a ground, aren't they? Uh, and a skipper land on the halfway point between Wakefield and Cast. <laughs> I wonder what's I wonder what's right in the middle. Go to that place. Exactly. Finally, Warrington, we've already talked a couple of times on the show about Greg Inglis coming in next year and how uh, they're anticipating that driving everything. Um, but I believe they were one of the clubs that the players weren't 100% sure on the wages, you know. So, uh... To be honest with you, in the only rounds of Super League, the players haven't been really sure on, on the form because it's been a right mixed bag, hasn't it? I mean, one week you, you win in 19-0 against St. Towns, then you're getting flogged by Leeds Rhinos, then, then you're beating... Say you, you, you beat in Hull FC, then you lose, and again, oh man, it's been a right mix bag. What do you put that down to? Because for, for me, I have no idea. I, I don't know. Because you look at that squad, that Warrington squad is a decent, decent squad, isn't it? Yes. And, and the budget they've got, I mean, all right, uh, Ben Murdoch Masilla. Has he left the club now? Is he going at the end of the season? So he's, he's on his way out. Yeah, yes, he yes, he he's on it at the end of the year, yeah, definitely. Right. But uh, yeah, you've got, they've got so much money. And they can go out and buy whoever they want and get the best players for those positions. It's a stellar lineup. Um, for some reason, this season, it's just like I said, before this break came about, it's been a real mixed bag, isn't it? Do you think the coach is under pressure? I know we've had this conversation before, wow. haven't we? Wow. Yeah, because of the expectation that's put on him. I think he is, yeah. Hmm. I think, I think I'm sure Steve Price would actually agree with that one himself. I mean, the other year, they were, what, 18 points away from winning both Super League and the Challenge Cup. So maybe they're not that bad. And they won the Challenge Cup last year, didn't they? I mean, God knows yeah. when it's going to be played for again. Oh, listen, Ray, the, the, one way or another, Warrington will be there or thereabouts. You've just got to get the consistency. 
Um, and that's one thing they didn't have in the opening rounds of this year of this season. So I guess what we can deduce from how we've been talking is that other than other than Castleford, Huddersfield, and, Huddersfield. and Leeds, everyone else has been pretty inconsistent. Yeah. Would that just about yeah, sum it up? Oh, maybe one or two could have rather paused that opening couple of rounds and gotten got themselves together for a couple of matches and the breaks come at the wrong time for them. Interesting to see what happens when when we all come back in in is it two weeks' time? Did you say two weeks' time? Uh, well we're we're eighteen days away from project restart. So we've got is it three games one week and then everybody is in on is it um, August the eighth? Yeah, that's it, that's it. Because there were some Saturday games that got postponed, Sunday. wasn't there? Then it's a Saturday Sunday format. At a venue to be announced as we get closer to the date. Thing is, though, <laughs> okay. we're, we're getting closer and closer to this date. We don't know the rest of the fixtures. We don't know where these grounds are. So there's quite no. a lot there for Robert Elston to sort out, isn't there? Well, this is it, right? You, you're, not, you're not a fan of the Magic Weekend, uh, but we're going to have mini Magic Weekends every weekend now for the rest of the season. Ah, but needs must at the minute, don't they? Yeah. Okay. And I don't, I don't particularly, I don't particularly mind that as long as you've got protocols in place. It's like I, I, I am glad they have saw sense because they were banging on still, weren't they? They're hoping to have the magic weekend and thinking, no, be serious. You can't. They have come to a compromise with mini magic weekends instead. I hinted there at the Challenge Cup. That's all still got to be sorted out, hasn't it? As well, well as again, Championship and League that, One. But, but the thing is, the problem is, you got this uh, announcement. Still to be made about League One ever starting. You got is the is the championship going to continue? Now we we know there's only two teams that are in favour of the championship restarting for one reason. We know that Lee and Feverson are, are, are advocates for it. Um, the signals that I'm hearing from other clubs is they're not really confident mm. wanting to come back because. Because of all the um, the testing you've got to be doing and the safety aspects, have they got the money to input it? Yeah, yeah. That's what it's going to come down to. You've got to feel some sympathy for Featherstone and Lee, though, haven't you? Because both oh, of those gosh, guys yeah. are, have, have put the money where the mouth is. They've recruited uh, decent squads this season, which look like they could be taken apart before they've even done anything. Yeah, you've got, you got to feel sorry for Lee and Featherstone, haven't you? Because they've obviously put the money where the mouth is. they put a squad in place that they were hoping would be challenging to... Uh, get a promotion spot back into Super League. Um, but unfortunately, it looks like that decision is going to be made away from the from the actual action, isn't it? It's all about um, how the RFL going to decide are we going to have the championship season restarting? Are clubs confident enough they can do it and fulfil the fixtures? I, I, I ain't sure, personally. I don't think... Me, personally, I, I can't see the championship coming back. I'm hoping wrong, uh, but I can't see it. But then the RFL have got to decide, are we going to have promotion and relegation? I'm sure Toronto will be thinking, please, please don't have relegation. <laughs> well, do you reckon this is why this story suddenly appeared about the visa issue in Toronto? Probably. And maybe that's an underlying reason for it. I don't know. You'd have to ask David Argyle about that one. I mean, speaking of teams in Canada, Ottawa Aces have even announced the coach for next season. I know. What do you make of that? Lauren Fressy knew. What a gig that is. Decent one, isn't it? You know what? That's what a gig that is. You wow. Know, you know what that suggests to me with them getting Lauren Fresinu, who, to be honest, did a decent job, but for his last six he months did. at Catalans, that suggests they're going to go French. They're going to go, because I mean, you know, Ottawa's French Canada, isn't it? It's in the French part. It's in the French speaking part of Canada, isn't it? 
So if they're going to go French, that could be a really exciting team, couldn't it, on the QT? Could be, yeah. Yeah, without a doubt. So that'd be interesting to see who actually jumps ship from Toronto and goes and plays for Ottawa Aces next season. That's all for next season. As for this year, um, I suppose another team that I'd be looking to see whether the championship does get their green light to resume will be Toulouse because they've thrown a heck of a lot of money at the uh, at the Super League dream as well, haven't they? Yeah, I mean they seem to have been a little bit quiet. Although to be fair, they've been they've been quiet in giving any sort of opinion on it, but they have yeah. been retaining and announcing some of their players are stopping. So the likes of Jonathan right. Ford, who's a superb championship player, absolutely brilliant standoff. He's gifted. He's got that brilliant passing game, such vision. I think Harrison Hansen's agreed in an additional uh, 12 months on his contract. So he's obviously uh, loving his time in France. And there's a couple of others that I, I'm mm. led to believe are, uh, you know, ready to re-sign. I think Lloyd White's just agreed another contract yeah, as well. Yeah, I read that somewhere. So, you know, they're, they're obviously retaining and it suggests that they're going to again whenever championship starts be it this year or be it next year from scratch they're going to be a, another major force aren't they i mean uh, you mentioned the talent stuff i can see the talent cup being fulfilled because we've already started the competition the only problem we're going to have is if it's announced on july 21st because we don't know what what the decision is going to be if it, if it is announced on July 23rd that there isn't going to be the Championship and League One campaigns, uh, it's just going to be solely Super League to fulfil the fixtures and you know, fulfil the um, broadcasting obligations that we've signed. Um, it'd be interesting to see how, how those teams that are still left in the Challenge Cup come into the action. Um, I imagine, as you're going to say, right, you're in the, you're in the next round of the Cup Mm. Do, we, do, we, do we a couple of weeks training and then play again? They may have to is withdraw, might they? They may have to withdraw. Is that, is that how they're going to do it? Because if, if, if a lot of the championship clubs have got the players on furlough, on the furlough scheme as well, haven't they? So, and is it a case uh, of once you bring someone back from furlough, you can't put them back on furlough after a couple of weeks, can, on, you? can you? So that's something you've got to think about. So if... If they do agree with the chance for it, it's going to go ahead, but they come up with the decision, there's going to be no League One and Championship campaigns. Um, yeah, you might find clubs withdrawing from the competition. I mean, that's a huge that's a huge blow, isn't it? You know, for, for Rugby is. League's greatest competition that it's still got under its belt. going to play the final? Is it going to be at the football playoffs where they're at Wembley with no one in the stadium? Oh, that's a good point as well. That's another thing to debate. Surely, as a, as a game, all right, we just announced it made £75,000 profit. Surely, as a game, we can't afford to go and rent Wembley with no fans and no hospitality in it. And, and to be honest, to be honest, if, if there's not going to be any fans allowed in, why play it at Wembley? You could just go and hire Lee Sports Village for the day. Exactly. So that's another decision that needs to be made as well. I will say other stadia are available, probably. Yeah, at a good cost. Hey, I've been away. I've been away for a while, and you know I'm Lee's biggest loudmouth when it comes to podcasts, you are. mate. Yeah, I don't think Lee's biggest loudmouth. You are Alex Murphy. <laughs> he was never a Lather. He was just an honorary Lather, was Alex. All oh, right, okay, if you say so. Although I was going to describe, I don't know whether, you know, I'm going to actually describe you as witness finest export of modern times after that. <laughs> oh, <thanks. laughs> um, you know what? You know what? It's been great getting back behind the microphone with you. Well, I'm talking on the phone, so that's a bit different for me. Um, garden, and it's not exactly summer rugby league because it's quite cloudy and cold here this evening, witness. 
Hey, you now you know what it feels like when I used to ring into the studio at Radio General <laughs> from time <laughs> to time. Uh, but yeah, great to catch up with you again, mate. Hope that we can do another one of these very soon. But we're back here. Wow, yeah, Rugby League's back on the agenda, man. So we're up, we're up and running. Find the hooter back on loverugbyleague.com. We're up, we're running, we're on loverugbyleague.com and you'll be able to catch us very, very soon. Do listen out for another future podcast. Cheerio now. The Final Hooter with Adrian Jackson and David Parkinson.